At Wesley Memorial, we, are, we have a wonderful confirmation class. Um, I don't know how many there are. It's at least 20 of students that are going to be confirmed in the church, joining the church next month, um, some getting baptized. It's a wonderful thing. And Stephen and his team and student ministry have done a great job. And as a way to help grow them grow, we're not just telling them things in a classroom setting, we're also giving them opportunities to do things, right, in the church. And that's such a vital part of discipleship is letting our students serve and lead. Um, you saw Olivia up here singing, doing a great job. I mean, uh, we're going to have confirmation uh, students serving communion today. And today, my good friend Roscoe here, he's going to be reading the scripture for us. Let's give a hand for Roscoe. Today, I'm going to be reading John 15, 1 through 5. Um, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Man, good job. You know, they say everyone's top fear is public speaking, and number two is death. So you did a good job. Very good job. Yes, and I think that's so critical to let our our students be serving in this way. Uh, So you're going to see more of them throughout April, more than likely. Um, So as he was reading from John 15, we're in the next week of our sermon series of I Am Statements of Jesus that we find our hope in not just um, uh, what Jesus has done on our behalf, of course we do, but also in who he says he is. That, that's where we find transformation, not in just simply looking inward into our own lives, but in looking at the words that Jesus said, the red letters, about himself. Um, and, and today we're looking at Jesus says, I am the true vine. And the operative word there is true with this, because that would mean a lot to his original audience when he said, I am the true vine. Um, because when you hear that, I automatically think, well, then what is the untrue vine? What does that even mean? How can a vine be true or untrue? It's a, it's a, on its surface, it's kind of confusing to think about. But if the people hearing Jesus say this in John chapter 15 knew exactly what he was doing because the vine was the, the, the central symbol of the nation of Israel. It, it, is, it was literally a 90-foot-tall golden vine in the second uh, temple of Solomon's temple in Jerusalem, that it was representative of the nation of Israel. It was the center of their national life. Read these words of Psalm chapter 80, 8 through 11, uh, 8 through 11, and you see where God says, you brought a vine out of Egypt, and you drove out the nations and planted it. So after the exodus, you cleared the ground for you. It took deep root. It filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. So here God's people are described as a massive vine that God took out of Egypt in the Exodus and planted in the promised land. And they were intended to grow and to to bear good fruit, to bear much fruit, almost that Abrahamic promise, like I will make you a multitude of people that you will outnumber the stars in the sky. And the whole purpose of them being planted as a vine was for God's pleasure and for his glory and the growth of the nation of Israel. But if you're familiar with the story of the Old Testament, or even if you're not, you, you know that even though God planted them as a vine, that 
they didn't bear the fruit that God wanted. You look at Jeremiah 2.21, where the Lord asked them through Jeremiah, I planted you a choice vine entirely a pure seed or stock. How then did you turn degenerate and become a wild vine? The people didn't bear the fruit that God wanted that was worthy of repentance. So when Jesus uses this imagery of a vine, it was a reminder to his listener of their failure, of their repeated trying to, to ascend and strive and work and labor to please God. And it was, a, it was a symbol of, yes, of their national unity, but also of their national inability to succeed, to please God. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. He's saying, I am the faithful and true Israel. I will do what you cannot do on your own to bear fruit that pleased God. I will take this imagery of failure, of striving, of inability to do it the way God wanted you to do it, and I'll do it. I've got this, Jesus said. Through me, by faith, you can bear much fruit. Apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. Now, a lot of people probably think about Christianity and religion, and I know people feel this way, that you feel, they get intimidated because you feel all this pressure. You feel this, like this, to be more than you think you are. That, like you're always never measuring up. That this sort of like Michael Stipe in that REM song, uh, Losing My Religion. It's like, oh, I've said too much, uh, but I didn't say enough, right? It's like, I'm, I'm never, I never feel like I'm, I'm making God happy with who I am or how I'm living my life. That I'm always falling short. I'm always failing. But Jesus says, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to help you bear fruit. If you listen to what I'm saying and do it the way I'm telling you to do it. Apart from me, you can't bear fruit. But with me in your life, it will come through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is saying to Israel and to us today, you're right. You can't do it. You can't bear fruit. It's, we tried it and it didn't work. So we're the same as they are. We, we can try to be good and moral people to pursue our own sense of righteousness, but we always fail. So Jesus says, though, if you stay connected to me as the true vine, you will bear much fruit. And good news, I'll prune you. Prune you, really? That sounds painful. But it's good to be reminded that pruning has a purpose. But that flies on the face of sort of a postmodern idea of spirituality. But what about like, what about like finding my own inner light and, and going to the mountaintop of, of Tibet or finding my true self, trusting my gut, following my heart with Oprah and Namaste and, and all of this sort of thing. But Jesus doesn't talk like that. He doesn't affirm any of that stuff. Jesus knows that a selfish heart that's unwilling to be pruned by God can never grow. You'll never submit to the things of God unless you're in an unselfish position in your life with an open hand and an open heart. Jesus says, if you do that, you will start to bear fruit. And when you start to bear fruit, I will then prune you so that you can bear more. See, to be pruned is to be blessed, actually. Might not feel like it. To be pruned is to be loved. To be pruned is to be reminded and affirmed that you are already connected to Jesus. He said, I only prune those who are bearing fruit. I'm not going to prune those that aren't connected to me. I remove those branches. But those that are bearing fruit, I'm reminding you that you're capable of more than you think you are. 
And then he goes on with this, only God could think of imagery like this. People that say the Bible's not trustworthy. Who would write things like this? Look again at verses four and five. I mean, Shakespeare couldn't make this stuff up. No one talks like this, but it's perfect for our human condition. It's the perfect imagery we need. He says, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now you might notice my voice sounds a little bit different. I was feeling a little bit ill earlier in the week and uh, I was really low. I had a good bass note going on Friday. It was pretty sweet. It sounded like Barry White a little bit. But my wife bought me uh, some throat coat tea. And so as you do with tea, usually you steep it for like a minute or two, you know, and then you drink it. Well, I let it steep for a short amount of time. I drank it and it was like watery. I was like, this tea's terrible. Ugh. And then I read the instructions and it said, steep for 15 minutes. I thought, who was 15 minutes? Oh, I had, I had time. I was sitting at home. But I realized then some, some tea takes longer, right, to get the effects out of it. The longer it steeps, the better it works. And Jesus is saying, hey, the longer you abide in me, the longer you rest in me, the longer that you sit with me, that you, by faith of the volition of your will, come near to me, the more of me you're going to get and the more of the spirit you're going to feel at work in your life. So Jesus says those, he will prune those who are already bearing fruit. Now, Christianity, we're really good at using terminology that sounds super weird and makes no sense to the outside world. And I don't really make an apology for that. There's a, there, there's a peculiarness to the church that I think is wonderful. Um, but still, to those that are uninitiated, bear fruit. What does that mean? Are we going to look like these people? Like the, the, uh, the fruit of the loom people? Back in the 80s, this was the mascot for Hanes underwear? Um, is this what it's all about? No, no, no. It's not that. It's not like literal, you know, figurative fruit. And it's not just external, moral, ethic fruit. It's not just the facade of being a good person. Like that turns you into a religious sort of legalistic person, right? And some of the worst jerks in the world are religious jerks. And that's not the kind of fruit he's talking about. Uh, he's talking about the unseen, the spiritual, the, the work of the spirit. It's the unseen things of life that actually give life the most meaning. And Paul would, uh, would elaborate on this and Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 where he, he, he lists the fruit of the spirit and I don't think it's exhaustive by the way but this, this covers a lot by contrast the fruit of the spirit I think these type of things that God wants to birth in our lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness gentleness and self-control there's no law against such things now notice go back to that last, the beginning of that verse Notice it's not plural. There's not fruits. It's fruit. They're all connected. Either they're all happening in our lives or they're not. It's not, it's not, like, it's not like, oh, I have, I have a little bit of patience, but I'm really good. Or uh, I'm as gentle as a mouse, but I have no self-control whatsoever. No, it's not like a little of some and a, a whole lot of another. It's fruit. It's, it's fruit. Like, if you lack love, well, you're not going to have a lot of joy in your life. If you lack joy, you're not going to have a whole lot of peace. If you're not having a sense of peace in your life, well, you're not going to be very patient with other people around you. If you're not patient with the people around you, people are not going to think you're very kind. Do you see how they're all, they're all connected? It's fruit. 
And, and he wants to bear all of those things in our lives simultaneously because they all grow out of what? Love. They all emanate out of holy love that Jesus has first loved us with. And he says, if you bear fruit, I will prune you. So if he's pruning you, it means that you're already moving in the right direction. And you and I, everyone in this room, everyone at home, we're all in the same boat, and it's this, that I'm not where I once was, thank God, but I have not gotten to where I desire to be. And, and so in order to get to the place I desire to be, I submit myself to the hand of the vine dresser, to the one that knows exactly where to cut more than I would ever know. See, God wants to grow us in those areas of, of love, joy, peace, because God is already all of those things, isn't he? God is perfectly the fruit of the Spirit. That is, those are the very essence of who God is. So pruning is just about becoming more holy, becoming more righteous, becoming more like Jesus. Now, when you hear this kind of thing, though, we have to be careful because you can start to make it sound like, oh, well, I should want to be, sometimes pruning is painful. Sometimes you go through a very difficult season of your life where you went through things that you would never want to go through again. So it's not like you'd say, well, God really grew me in that season and I almost died, but more of that, please. Sign me up for a second helping. No. If you're facing trial or difficulty, it doesn't mean God's angry with us, but God could be using it. He could be pruning it. Just because we don't know that there's what well, the reason could be, it doesn't mean there's not one. You could be bearing fruit and he could be changing you before he's changing it. You might want to write that one down. He could be changing you before he changes the situation. He could be pruning something away in order to show more of who he is in your life. See, this is one of the reasons why the gospel is so true is because God doesn't ignore the, the ailments of a human condition, the situation we have found ourselves, which is that we're, we're not, on our own ability, I'm not able to love you as you deserve. And you're not able to love me as I deserve. But with Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit loving you and moving through you, you're able to do that. See, God doesn't ignore us in our inability to love and have joy and have peace and to bear that, that, that fruit. So Jesus uses this beautiful metaphor as a way to saying to to all people, I want to shape you and, and help perfect you for my glory. I will, if you're bearing fruit, I'll, I'll prune you. I'll strip away things that don't look like love and joy and peace and patience. I will do that for you, he says. He says, I've got it. I will do this. He's very certain about it. And it's just like a plant that reacts positively to being pruned. They always develop new growth now the people that aren't in the vine they don't bear anything that aren't even bearing anything he says those branches get removed so but removal is not pruning in Jesus's words here pruning is not punishment but it helps facilitate growth now I the past few years we've been here this church has been growing and that's been a really awesome thing to be a part of. And, and I obviously take no credit for it. It's the Holy Spirit doing his work here. We've seen dozens of, dozens of people join the church. We have a, we have a long list of people that want to join um, in May. Uh, and, and here's what I've learned is that if something's healthy, it grows. I know that sounds sound like rocket science to you, but if something's healthy, 
it just grows naturally. It's like with your children. I don't have to force my kids to grow. I wake up and I'm like, I look at my son and I'm like, what, what happened while you were sleeping? You know, you can just tell. Not, so you just put them in the right conditions for growth with good food and, and a good environment and growth just naturally happens. And it's the same with the church. When the church is healthy and connected to Jesus through the prayer and worship and the sacraments and service, growth happens. Now, but sometimes churches get desperate and we, we tend to put the cart ahead of the horse and can do all these little tips and tricks to try and get people in the door. And <laughs> I try to avoid the, that temptation. Like I remember one time I was in college and I saw this, this uh, poster. I was walking through the student union and it got my attention because the poster said free beer. Real big words. And I went, huh? And then underneath it said, now that I've got your attention, blah, 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 blah. I'm gonna make my pitch to you. Sometimes churches tend to do that. Well, kind of a bait and switch, you know? And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't have to do that. If you just let me prune your life, and even the church at large, you will grow. God the Father is committed to helping us be fruitful, to prune us so that we can bear more fruit. See, the church is a body. We're not a business. The church is a living organism. The church, as Peter would write, the church is built of people like you and me. The church is it's relationships. Lives built on top of lives, knitted together in, in, in unity with one another and, and in Bible studies and all these different things. That is the church. And if a church is not growing, it is dying. But if a church, if Jesus says, if you're connected to me, you will bear much fruit. But then in closing, Jesus closes this passage with saying, apart from me, you can't do anything. And you read that and you think, well, what does that mean? Like, what can't I do? Because in the secular world, people can have a career, you can raise a family, you can make a lot of money, you can make a whole lot of less money. You can climb a mountain, you can put a man on the moon. You can do all these different things apart from Jesus. So what's he talking about? What kind of, what, what kind of nothing is he referring to? There's one thing we can't do apart from him. There's well, lots of things, really. But the one thing is, you can't bear fruit. Apart from him, you can't. You can't bear the things that we read in Galatians. But connected to him, you can. And God wants you to. And it's really an invitation. It's an invitation to growth, to having an open hand before the vine dresser and saying, Lord, I'm a mess. I'm not where I should be. I saw the funniest meme yesterday. I should have put it on the screen. But it said, all my ducks aren't in a row. I don't even know where my ducks are. And then there's a picture of ducks in the back of a cop car. <laughs> Maybe your ducks are in the back of a cop car today. That's all right. It's an invitation. If you're a miscreant and you've lost your way, you're in good company. People say, hey, the church is full of hypocrites. I'm like, yeah, join the club. I don't try to do that on purpose, but none of us are perfect. But Jesus invited imperfect people like you and me to the table that night, the night before he gave up his life. And he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you.